nerds watch Disney podcasts. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast, episode 11 sorry, 11 slash 101 Dalmatians, released in 1961. My name's Jake. I'm Dustin. We didn't even say our names on the last episode. Did, did we not? No, I realized that. I mean, is that important to do? Like, I feel like people probably know who we are by I now. I know that, like... It's also not relevant to, like, right, listening to like, us. That's always a thing that I've wondered. Like, that's a thing that people do at the beginning of broadcasts. Like, I'm whatever, and welcome to... But, like... Is that why? Like, does it matter who the person is? Gives, is someone going to look up our it's credentials? Comforting to like, the audience, I guess. Well, audience, I'm Dustin <laughs> and I'm Jake. And it was two strangers in here last week talking about Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> Not really. If you, I mean, I suppose if you just watched the Sleeping or listened to the Sleeping Beauty episode in and of itself and didn't watch listen to any other episode, like I don't know, maybe our names are on the descriptor. <laughs> That's true. Uh. I wonder if they know which face belongs to which person yeah, yet. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if we're just uh, mystery figures. Could be. Uh, so yeah, this is a film about dogs. We haven't done that in a little while. It's been a whole two episodes since Lady and the Tramp. I feel like we should say right out of the gate that we are breaking precedent. We have gone against our normal policy of watching things separate uh, and not talking to each other about it. We did watch this one together. Together about an hour ago. Right. So. We, I don't think we talked that much during it. There were things where we couldn't avoid commenting on. But uh, I think we subtracted like two or three jokes from the episode by making them at the time. Well, not necessarily. It's possible I've forgotten that we've said them. So Could be. This film uh, is pretty notable because it's the beginning of a new era in Disney and... If you watch, or if not Maleficent, if you watch Sleeping Beauty and then move straight to this, you can pretty much immediately tell. We're cutting corners budget-wise. <laughs> this is the beginning of what's called the Xerox era in, in Disney-dom. Because basically, Maleficent, Sleeping Beauty, <laughs> the title of the film, pretty much put the company in financial dire straits again. Like, it took forever to come out. It was incredibly expensive because of the detail involved and everything and the there was actually talks at the time of shutting down the animation department at disney studios but fortunately there was new breakthroughs in technology and i guess xeroxes were invented sometime in the late 50s and the studio was able to use this new technology to really cut some corners i'm not really an animation person this isn't like exactly my forte but i'll try to explain it the best i can uh Essentially, for up until this point in time, pretty much every single frame had to be hand-drawn and hand-colored and everything like that, whereas now they were able to basically Xerox in several backgrounds and things like that to reuse them without having to redraw everything. And this technology pretty much saved the studio, and from now until the release of the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh, we got this, this setup, which is a lot rougher, it's a lot less detailed than what we've been seeing. There's a few frames here and there in the films we'll be seeing where you can see, like, sort of the rough sketch lines, like, on faces and stuff. And uh, it's just generally a different uh, different era, and I think this is the beginning of what a lot of people think is the, you know, sort of the downturn of Disney Studios, because there's some big releases in the 60s, but once we hit the 70s, it's kind of... It's very different from what the we've been seeing in the past. 
So this is the 11th episode that we've done, and it's really the first time that we've talked about technology uh, affecting the way these movies are produced. Right. Uh, we, I mean, we're 11 years in, and or not 11 years, that's why I was trying to <laughs> talk about, but I did it wrong. Yes. We're 11 films in, mm-hmm. but we're covering a 25 plus year period right. from, from Snow White to when this movie came out. And really, all of them were made in the same way. And some of these earlier movies that were in production forever, Sleeping Beauty, that took 10 years uh, to make by itself, uh, this process should allow them to churn out films more quickly. Um, I've, we haven't done the research on the movies that come out after they've started this process to know if that really does help them churn them out more quickly. But. Well, just based on the last few releases we've seen i know lady and the tramp was 55 and uh sleeping beauty was 59 so that was a four-year gap there and then this next one released in 61 so that that seems like a good sign that these are going to come out i didn't notice in my research did you notice how long it took them to make this movie did you already say that and i wasn't listening Mm, it couldn't have been too long because the novel it's based on came out in 56 so so we're moving it's pretty quick turnaround i think so and this story was developed uh this is another interesting tidbit. This story was the first Disney film to be essentially developed by one writer, like one storyboard guy, uh, whereas before it would be like a groupthink kind of situation. This was just a man named Bill Pete. He basically wrote a rough draft of the story, and Walt Disney went, that's great, let's do it. So, yeah, the first time we've seen that. And I looked in a little bit uh, into Bill Pete's career. He's not at Disney Studios for a whole lot longer. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he leaves... Uh, I believe it said it was an argument about the film Jungle Book, so that came out of that production. Oh, speaking of arguments, the other guy that worked uh, had a lot of power in the making of this movie is a guy named Ken Anderson, who was in charge of a lot of, of the uh, art direction of the movie mm-hmm. and would be for the next several uh, Disney movies. But Walt, uh, also a former two-time TNA heavyweight champion, right? Where's Ken Anderson? <laughs> uh, Walt Disney. Uh, got so angry with Ken Anderson uh, as a result of this movie, hated some of the artwork they did on this movie, and hated Ken Anderson up until Walt's death, where he finally forgave him <laughs> on like his on deathbed, it, yeah. I guess. Uh, uh, that's uh, Which I wonder what it was that upset Walt so much about. That's I mean, it's definitely a different setting from what we've been seeing in uh, Disney films so far. Oh, Lady and the Tramp is pretty similar. But this is similar, sort of, but the way the city looks in Lady and the Tramp versus the way it looks uh, yeah, in this is a lot different, and that has true. to do with the the Xeroxing, I'm sure. Right. But, but this film feels like it's gonna sound dumb saying this, but it feels like gritty and modern. Of like, this looks like what I assume 1961 London would have looked like. Like, I think it's nice uh, to look at uh, when we get to the end of the film and we rank the. Uh, we talk about the the mise-en-scene that's something that's going to bump up the score for me is i I like the way the at least the city backgrounds look less so when they get out of the city but (laughs) yeah there's definitely some some background details i've commented on throughout but uh yeah definitely i think it plays up to the style of the film which uh i guess we might as well jump into the film now uh i've always loved the the opening credits to this thing where we get uh, a bunch of sketches of puppies and just everything is like spots flying at the screen. We get fun things like where the spots fly, they turn into like music notes on a musical staff. And oh, just uh, if you're going to do a creative like credit sequence like that, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, you talked before about this being a more modern thing. And I think even modern, uh, you know, current today audiences could uh, enjoy 
this opening uh, even small children because it, it it's good for people with ADD like it's yeah. very much hey here's some splashes and here's some unrelated pictures yeah and definitely this, and like and the jazzy uh, intro we enjoyed as well so, you know we that's one of the things we've tracked since starting this is the influx of jazz yeah the very for, much part of it here although now that it's the 60s like there's other musical stylings that could be coming in true we're just now getting the jazz <laughs> kids don't know what the jazz is all about. <laughs> It's about it's like Jello pudding, right? <laughs> Actually, it's more like Kodak film. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think this was like one of few opening credit se- sequences I didn't fast forward. So that should tell you, ADD ass kid over here definitely paid attention to it. But the film opens in London. Get to hear our narrator here, someone named Pongo. Uh, I always like the creativity here of. Uh, not revealing who Pongo is right away because like oh London skyline zoom in on this apartment here's a nice songwriter working at his piano and then pan over to real oh no that's my pet I'm over here and then Pongo is the dog telling the story and just even dogs referring to their owners as their pets is pretty creative stuff yeah I like that that was a nice touch uh the people as as pets when it's not carried out as well as Lady and the Tramp was in, in telling it from the dog's point of view. Right. Although that was telling it from visually from their point of view, where this right. is, we get a dog narrating the story. Uh, but I, I like that idea. They, When casting the animals in the movie, they made or the dogs at least, they made sure their voices were deeper than their owner's voices would be as a way to show who's in control. Um that's pretty clever. They make the pets that Pongo sees out the window. They make them look a lot like they're humans, too, which yeah, is funny. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. We get to see, like, hippie artist lady with her hippie artist dog. and Well, the reason Pongo's looking outside, of course, is because he wants to find a, uh, a mate mm-hmm. for his pet. I think he's looking for one for himself, too. He, well, perhaps. He never mentions that. Right. It's awful convenient that he he's, seems yeah. to find pretty He says, so... like, the bachelor life is not as exciting as uh, people make it out to be. Uh, I enjoyed this whole sort of opening, like how everybody meets each other kind of things. But uh, the really all I was thinking during it is uh, I was kind of wishing that like this opening didn't have narration to it. Like the whole Pongo dragging, you know, his owner Roger out. Then they stumble across, you know, Perdita and Anita and then them meeting each other, stealing the hat, all that kind of fun stuff. But it's all kind of like peppered out throughout is pongo being like oh i know i'll have to he'll never go talk to her himself he'll have to, i'll have to drag him over there and yeah i think if this were the opening to a pixar movie exactly. it would have opened that way or, or yeah. the pixar short would have right been like, like if you took this concept and took it to a like 2017 pixar studio and was like hey make this like i think they would have done it and it would have been like really cool to see it that way because the like the narration really doesn't tell us anything we're not picking up on anyway so which i know that's me asking for things i can't have but i mean right what we were presented with was fine but i i don't know i was just like daydreaming off to other cool things it could have been right so he hatches a plan to uh get his pet hooked up with uh the attractive human he's found outside right. for for him who conveniently also has an attractive dalmatian dog with her right why well, so. i can't speak to her attractiveness <laughs> you're you're on your own on that perhaps i've said too much <laughs> um uh, but yeah so his his plan is sort of he knows you know uh 
He knows Roger's not going to make the first move, so he's got to drag them together. His plan is to sort of steal her hat and then hope that leads to, like, a wacky misunderstanding to where they get together. I'm pretty sure Pongo's been getting his romantic advice from Disney fairy tales because <laughs> he thinks the most effective way to meet women is to kind of assault them in public. A little bit, Essentially yeah. what goes down here. Because uh, right away, Roger gets all tangled up with Anita, and thankfully it ends up being like, oh, what a misunderstanding. Let's let's get together. Right. <laughs> but At first, when he tries to get noticed and the two owners, are, or the two humans, are near each other, they each kind of take their dog and go in different directions. And it reminded me of a, uh, there's a French short movie that came out in the 50s, uh, a short film uh, that came out in the 50s called The the Red Balloon, where uh, this little boy finds a magic balloon and follows him around and shit. And, uh, and one sounds part of the movie, he's walking by, you see him walking across from the right-hand side of the screen to the left with his red balloon, and a, a little girl comes by with her blue balloon. And uh, they pass each other, they don't even notice each other. And then the red balloon takes off and goes back. And you're like, oh, cool, they're going to get together. And they get all tangled up. And so then the boy and the girl untangle their balloons. And they kind of look at each other. And then they each go off in different directions. Uh, and so that's sort of uh, what happens here with with uh, the, what are their own? I don't know the own names. Roger and Anita. Roger and Anita. Duh. Did Jim uh, Deere and Darling. You said this was a 50s short film? Yeah. I wonder if that was an influence. Could have been. That would have been. I looked it up as we were watching uh, to see, to make sure what year it came out. But I I didn't find anything saying there was a a connection. Plausible. There you go. We need like the Mythbusters thing to stamp down. (laughs) And we get married. Roger and Anita are together. We don't don't need to see any of the courtship along the way. Two second scene of, well, they met and were married and now they live together. Their relationship is not really important to the story. That's true. They're, they're really the side characters. Right. They are nice to the dogs. That's all we need to know about them. Pretty uh, much. In contrast to uh, Corella when we meet her. On a related note, uh, someone else we don't really know much about, I kind of noticed. Uh, Perdita. I, yeah, I wrote that in my notes about how we have taken a step back. Uh, yeah, from a Lady. Couple, a couple of films ago, we had Lady. And we talked about how, in a weird way, and she's a non-human character, mm-hmm. but she was sort of the first sort of feminine uh hero yeah uh, somewhat three-dimensional female character right and then we lost it then we went sleeping beauty uh (laughs) gets to say like three things in the whole movie and uh perdita's first line is i'm pregnant basically right yeah perdita's and then she just plays the mother throughout the rest either be a mother or say lines that allow pongo to be an expert on things Mm. uh which obviously is what you'd like in a wife but uh (laughs) is Clearly, her only role is to either act scared and right. let him reassure you, or reassure her, or ask a question so he can explain something right. to her, which, mansplain something to her. Yeah, we, which we start the film like from Pongo's perspective. The whole thing is right. Like he's our protagonist, but Perdita is not that fleshed out. I'm noticing. I feel like, and we'll talk more about this at the end of the movie. The from a narrative standpoint, it is unfocused. Like the film is initially about pongo wanting to find a mate for roger right then we don't care at all about roger's relationship anywhere else in this movie right um he acquires a mate on his own we don't (laughs) necessarily i mean they are affectionate towards each other but we don't see their relationship uh, and how they got together either other than their their uh master or their pets but their humans uh got together 
and and then it, it just shifts and it's and then we start spending time with the puppies on their predicament and, and when we deal with uh, the end of the movie and with Corella in general you'll see the the tone issues of the movie of do we want to be a serious movie or do we want to be a goofy movie and they're not a goofy movie but a movie <laughs> that is not serious and yeah. they don't really ever settle on what they want to do yeah that's interesting but spoilers for all of that. Let's continue on with the opening. Uh, right. Well, five we get to see movie. we get to see the small apartment living of this this new young couple. Uh, we see a little bit more of Roger trying to make it as a musician, and he's you know writing songs. He's got a new tune, and he's really excited about a change from the novel. Uh, he was not a musician in the novel. He was Is an that economist. So? Uh, That's not interesting. No. So I see why they changed that. Yeah, I don't. I thought. Uh, I imagine they probably had a lot of fun writing a songwriter character. Probably so. In Disney Studios, like, that's got to be a real part of things uh, throughout all their filmmaking. Although, having a songwriter for one of the main characters, he writes two songs in the movie. Mm -hmm. We don't really see him fiddle around with any other songs. Mm -hmm. This movie, compared to other movies we've seen, has very little musically going on there are three three songs in the film it's the two that roger writes and then the canine crunchies jingle there's the and the jazzy bit at the beginning if you count that but other than that musically there's not much happening maybe the score i usually do not notice the score of a movie unless it's like something over the top that you would have to notice (laughs) right uh but I thought that was sort of a letdown. Like, if one of the characters is a songwriter, that should it be could perfect have played around for the, a bit the Disney. But he's, he's he's not the main character, though. It's not 101 kids. Right. <laughs> like, that would be a crazy story. It would be a crazy story, especially if the kids had to cover themselves in powder to become <laughs> oh, no. black kids. Oh, no. We just wrote something horrible. I mean, it is probably true that people would look the other way at the 100 black kids who are <laughs> hiding in the back of the truck. You know, they just might. Global issues. <laughs> So it's small apartment living. They, this new couple, they can't afford a lot, but they do have a nanny, so that's going for them. Yeah, why do they have a nanny with no kids? Um, <laughs> with does does uh, Anita have a job of her own? Like she's dressed like a maid, like she would. But they they call her nanny. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, nanny's jobs are to take care of kids. They don't have any kids. They also, I think they also say she's their cook as well. Huh but like I mean, are their dogs roger their works like, from is it home her job to take care of the well that's a good point too like roger works from home anita seemingly doesn't no wonder work. they don't have any money that's <laughs> what cruella was ex- trying to explain like they're wasting their money paying for this live-in maid i do wonder and this is not something the film explains it's just me speculating like does are they swinging is that where you're going that's no. not where i was going oh. Sorry. Does Anita come from money? Because I kind of think that might be it part of her backstory. Like, well, we, I mean, they went to. We know she was schoolmates with Cruella, mm-hmm. and that. So uh, maybe they're just like living off of parents, like nest egg kind of stuff. Well, I don't know for, about that, but about but since they came from that environment, and now she has you know taken a, a few steps down the yeah. social ladder, and that's why uh, it bothers her when her friend comes over and talks about how she's you know. oh that's yeah that could be part of it too and also the reason i got thinking about this is there's also the line after some some puppies get kidnapped later uh 
the the nanny has a line of like, oh, I bet they took the good silver. And I'm like, why do you have good silver if you're living poor? Because uh, they're just spending their money poorly. I feel like uh, they're making enough to get by. They're just spending it ridiculously. I was thinking that was inherited from the family, you know, the family silver. Like uh, uh, fucking Mr. Toad from when we reviewed that. It could be, yeah. Uh, That kind of situation. I'm just assuming it's it's bad financial choices. Like when my students tried to convince me I should buy a second car for no reason. <laughs> or they were like when yeah, i, I moved to drive from being, two cars to work exactly <laughs> i moved from being part-time to full-time and they were like you, you know what you should do buy another car and i was <laughs> like for what <laughs> like drive one till it runs out of gas and then drive the like why why would i need two cars for one person like one that doesn't for even, work and one for play right i don't know on a teacher salary at that like <laughs> doesn't even make sense i didn't want to cut off your story to hammer in my joke but i was gonna say Maybe if uh, Roger was still an economist, they oh, would be better. There you go. It would make <laughs> sense. But here we get the intro to uh, Cruella Deville, introduced as an old schoolmate of Anita. That's the only description we get. So I don't know why she gets to barge into their house and demand their puppies. And I mean, she waited for a little bit at the door, but then they took too did. long. But you gotta leave your door locked. This connection, like, though, is tenuous at I mean, best, maybe, I think. Maybe there was less crime in those days, I don't know. But you live in London, like, that's a big city. Lock your door. <laughs> right. I lock my back door all the time, like... But, like, clearly, Anita and Cruella are not friends. Like, what is the... Just, they used to go to school together, and now they feel they have to... Like, Anita feels she has to continue letting this person be a part of her life? Like, if they were relatives or something, I could see. Well, this see. is why I think what you were saying before about Anita taking a, a step down and being coming from money and mm. and marrying, not marrying, marrying down, I guess, uh, to Roger uh, makes sense here. Like, that they would have been friends and had more in common when she was right. okay. at school and now... And is she latching on to Cruella as, like, a, her connection back to that old... She's all she's got left from that life? To... Maybe not even latching on. Maybe some people are still talk to the people that they talk to in high school because... <laughs> Who does that? Uh, me. <laughs> but some people do that because they that's their crew. Like, even if the rest of their lives change, and it turns out they don't really have anything in common past high school, but, like, right. at that time, uh, they were close or whatever. Uh, could be. But throughout this whole scene... Uh, Roger, who clearly fucking doesn't like Cruella, is up in, like, the attic in his music room making as much noise as possible. Oh, right, yeah. Playing Still all playing, of his instruments. Mm, playing, like, the raunchiest trombone <laughs> tune that he can. That was a lot. And, like, stomping on the floor the whole time. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Cruella DeVille, as we'll get into a lot of her as a villain uh, as, we, as we go on. But, like, I like her design in, in just... Uh, like she's a villain in a way we haven't really seen yet like she kind of she represents you know opulence and being like a slave to fashion trends and you Mm -hmm. know like a new uh i was gonna say paris but this film happens in london but maybe she's from paris i don't know but very very vaudeville with her with her speech and not calling everybody darling and shit like that like we really haven't seen that you know representing like the evils of greed and shit like that which is it's a different take on a disney villain most of them have just been like evil bitches for lack of a better descriptor so yeah most of them have had some sort of motivation though like lady tremaine does what she does to help out her daughters uh maleficent got slighted at a party and right you know got upset about at least there's something like corella just it's it's really just greed she wants this because she wants it and she's used to getting what she wants i think 
she is actually based off a friend of the author of the the book really uh yeah the author actually had dalmatian or not the author the author had dalmatians Mm -hmm. uh the dalmatians had puppies just like the puppies in the story here there were 15 of them that really happened one or or there were several they're double digits i don't know if there were 15 but just like in the story one of them almost didn't make it and had to be brought back (laughs) all of that's a true story and then after all that happened she had a friend that came over and was like oh they're so beautiful they'd make a great coat like (laughs) and i think the friend was just sort of ha ha they'd make a great coat like i don't think she was seriously saying that should happen but then I guess that's where she got the idea for the rest of the story from there. Was this friend's name Cruel Devil? <laughs> was right. there any sort of hint that yes. she might be In addition, not a great person? Yeah, she's got, I mean, her, her look, you mentioned, but she mm. has no redeeming qualities. None. She And there's no subtlety at all to her character. They don't she, mess around at all. It's not right. like we're trying to humanize Cruella DeVille. Mm. I can't wait for the live action version of this where we'll explain how she's really the good guy. And you do know we already did that, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but the the I'm, I'm sure it's coming the reboot of right. it, where or the you know the, it's just the called pre- Deville prequel for it, where <laughs> right. you know it turns out that's what people called her in school, and she didn't have money before, and then she got money, and that's why she wanted to be so flashy and all. I don't know I, who the hell knows <laughs> the gritty reboot of 101 Dalmatians, right. uh... <laughs> but. I mean, yeah, there's no subtlety as we keep going with her character. Mm. Like, she's got the ridiculous car. She's got the outfit she wears. Right. The, the, the cheekbones and the emaciated... Uh, <laughs> she looks a little like Yzma with the cheekbones and yeah, everything. Yeah, and then she lives... Or she doesn't actually live there, but her family owns a place called Hell Hall. Mm-hmm. The home... Uh, the, the old DeVille place. <laughs> like, just... I mean, I know it's a kid's movie, but no subtlety and no, like... Uh, she might this is like in harry potter where you're like what if we named him remus lupin like we'll give him two different wolf names and see if anyone no can, one figure can figure out that, out. that he's a werewolf Fuck his name up. is Sirius, and he turns into a dog you get it so evil mcdemon woman leaves and uh we get the the full playing where Rogers finally got his lyrics figured out to his new song he's gonna call it cruella deville and this i will go on and say this right now there's only three songs in this film but this is a stone cold classic of a disney song like straight up i love it It, i love the jazz i think it's perfectly (laughs) you can't stop with the bill cosby (laughs) i love i love the jazz (laughs) i listen to the jazz music in the jazz and (laughs) the the jello pudding pudding. oh but remember we could make bill cosby jokes that weren't different sort uh, now yeah yeah Uh, oh no I miss you're the man now, dog Cosby, and not prison Cosby. There was something I was going to say back before we went on a Cosby. Oh, I think it's kind of, you know, it is a song people associate. I mean, one of the Mm -hmm. first things people think of with this movie. Yes. And like you said, a a classic Disney song. But it's not um, presented in all at once they're presented no. the song itself is not presented all at once like there's a verse then there's like a five minute scene then there's the next verse right uh, well and it's kind of fun exacerbated in the version we watched which was on tv so it was yeah. sing <laughs> commercial scene, commercial rest of song <laughs> well and we also get to see it as like a work in progress song too where he's got the tune and he's just singing da 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 because he doesn't have right, the lyrics so that happens yet first then that then there's a break then you get the first verse then right another break then the next verse and then you hear it on the radio at the end of the right 
so that's that's unusual for like you wouldn't think that would happen with say you'd think this would also be like the opening credits theme or something like when we got well that uh, too and it would or at least would have been wish upon a star yeah that's what i was gonna say you wouldn't think about wish upon a star being spread out you know over the course of a scene like it is a a thing among its the rubik's cube i'm trying to figure out your hand it's motions a, i here. don't know what they are either uh we're gonna jump way ahead to a sight gag that i thought was really funny in the movie mm-hmm. when the henchmen uh, are talking to corella about the the story breaking in the papers and it's like look it's all over the papers and they hold the phone up to the <laughs> newspaper oh the henchmen are only so you know only stupid 40, in this movie. 40 plus years almost 50 years before facetime was a thing it's got a two-part phone you know with the right. earpiece and the you know and they've and they hold the speaker up to the uh up to the newspaper would you believe we've got another disney villain with stupid henchmen oh in this and movie. these are impossibly stupid well uh. one of them more than the other Horace, I guess, is way stupider than Jasper, but we we don't get to them just yet because first we have to have the puppies. Right. Uh, you know, we get Roger and and Pongo are in a separate room, just letting everything happen behind closed doors, and the the nanny nurse lady is running back in and saying, "Oh, we got twelve, we got thirteen, and builds up to fifteen, but like you said, one of them's dead. But then, uh oh, we'll just like rub it yeah. together. <laughs> That's I how don't you know what it. Roger's med- medical training is, but he just sort of like like he's starting a fire yeah. on the puppy. <laughs> Next time I microwave a burrito and it's not quite hot enough, that's how I'm going to revive it. Well, I come back to life. I don't know if you want to do that. Uh, I did like the sound design of this scene uh, where we're, we've got the dead puppy in our hands and we're we're trying to rub him back to life. Uh, because it's just silent. There's no music. The only sound you get is just like the ticking clock in the background. And uh, that's pretty clever. I like that. Uh, and, and yeah, they... They rub it a little, and now it's totally fine with no other health defects at all. <laughs> I think I saw a movie once that had the title, "We." they rub it a little, and now it's fine. Uh, it's, a, it's a small indie fic. Indie fic. Oh, shit. Damn it. I saw a movie once with that <laughs> Just title. Just say it's a small indie it's film. It's a small indie film. Say it without me talking over you now. <laughs> I think it was an, a small indie film. I'll have to check that one out. I'm going to put that whole thing in now, so it's just to ruin it. <laughs> just a terrible, terrible joke. Just ruined by horrible delivery. I don't see any pussy. Can we throw that pussy? I don't see any vagina. That's what the story was. You just sound like psychotic ramblings right now. I don't see any vagina is what happened as we were watching, because you were like, what is that? that vagina? Anyway. But that takes too long to explain. No, never mind. Uh, okay. So Greedy McDog Murderer <laughs> arrives and is ready to buy all the puppies off of them. And then Roger has to say, nope, you can't have them. We're not selling. You can't have any of them. And well, then, at first she doesn't want the puppies, right? She's disappointed. Well, she says like, oh, they're they're mongrels. They don't have any spots yet. Right, they're they're yeah. rats. But then, oh, their spots will come in later. And then she says she'll pay oh, like. so I'll come back in three weeks right, then, right? And I'll pay you triple what they're worth. Uh, and Roger says no, and he's. Uh, this is when Cruella has another line here. That says, "Oh, you can't even afford to feed them. You can scarcely feed yourselves." And I'm mm-hmm. like, "But you can afford a maid, right? A uh, maid and good silver, apparently, and right. a nice looking house, and certainly in better condition than Hell Hall, which we would see mm-hmm. later. Which is again not where she's living, it appears, but still, right? 
but then we get the, the this is like a big oh well you'll be sorry scene to sort of set up the rest of the film uh so we sort of fast forward now the dogs are older and they're all watching a western together which they're actually watching a gif of a western yeah it uh maybe you wouldn't notice it uh if you were you know not paying attention to it mm-hmm. the little clip on the tv is the same three it's seconds like, over and over yep. again for a while but not uh, even three seconds like second and a half over right. and over again but it's a, a tv dog named thunderbolt chasing after a horse thief and uh you know all the puppies are like oh he's gonna get him no he's not he's gonna die this time and goofy shit like that there's a fun line where like one of the puppies is like oh thunderbolt's the best he's even better than dad and then one of the other puppies says nobody's better than dad and then that cuts to like pongo with a smug ass smile on his face like yeah i'm a good dad that was that was cute humor i think there were nanny and corella things i wanted to talk about in earlier scenes that i forgot to in what way is nanny similar to Cr- nanny oh, nanny that, the nanny okay i thought you meant our nanny uh the i like when they talk about the nanny uh and pongo says she seems almost canine uh because which we would say sometimes about it a dog that's really well behaved or really smart or whatever wow it's almost like as smart as a human or whatever but like they think if she's bending over to get something from under a table or something that she seems almost canine like that that's they, a pretty that's, clever uh inversion there right and and that's how we know she's a good person and and all that uh i'm not sure what cruella is smoking um the smoke is very green yeah. um I don't know what kind this of, is, like, is she on the the sherm? Is that is that what's happening there? Like, this is definitely a case of, like, these scenes are going to appear in every Disney anti-smoking PSA for the rest of forever. Like, that's not, I don't think it's supposed to be green. Mm. Like, We're definitely made it to where, and maybe this is being in the 60s as opposed to the 40s, to where, like, smoking is still portrayed, but it's only portrayed as a bad thing in these, these kids' movies. Uh you know as opposed to like where we had melody time like uh the fucking pecos bill or whatever was smoking like the whole time he was shooting and things like that like we're not showing the good guys smoking anymore so that's that's another we go we backtrack on that a little bit with uh several years from now when we get to great mouse detective but playing a character in you know the 1800s where he would have been smoking smoking a pipe i think is still okay for some reason Hmm. Because Roger does that in like this Roger, movie too. Yeah, so. I was about to say there's one person right. smoking who is is a good guy. Pipes are okay, but cigarettes are filthy. You'll you'll rot your teeth. Um, Use clean needles. <laughs> there's also some silly humor in this TV watching scene about kids learning bad words from their dad, mm, which is like because yeah. one of the I, I didn't learn any of the puppies' names. They tried their best to make them like somewhat marketable because one's got a spot on his eye and one's fat believe it or not we made a fat character whose whole character is but i'm hungry he's fat yeah yeah we redid discuss as a puppy i did learn his name though because it was roly as in fat rolls (laughs) you know that i just assume they're all named lucky is one of them named lucky like i think so because i just called them that one's lucky (laughs) i don't know it's lucky lucky's the one that likes tv right probably i don't know uh (laughs) <laughs> the other shitty Cruella thing that I forgot to mention mm-hmm. uh, was when she ruined a cupcake. <laughs> Just like you, bitch. She did. Yeah, she put her cigarette yeah, out. Yeah, like, Ugh. there's a lot of uh, cigarette and, and ash food-related. Food related abuse in this yeah, film. Yeah, you got the, the, uh, the cupcake with the, with the cigarette in it. Mm-hmm. You got 
Jasper flicking his cigar ash yeah. on his on so Horace's sandwich later. Cigar smokers are bad people too, right? Yes, um, we established that in Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, <laughs> not <laughs> there. The uh, the villain on this TV show, though, I will say, does make <laughs> does make Cruella look more subtle <laughs> because this guy, his one line in the show is <laughs> like he does have an evil laugh. I think. Uh, <laughs> that that alone shows uh we can put a little more effort into villains we learned that the puppies are really good spellers um pongo says you know we got to get the kids to go to bed so we can go for our wlk and they <laughs> does he say that? w-a-l oh i thought God you damn it you don't know <laughs> it goes for their we got to put the puppies to bed so we can go for our w-a-l-k and we want to go too and then they keep going now maybe they just knew what go meant and didn't just you know decipher the spelling but better than yeah no one will know that when you edit that out i thought the joke was bongo didn't spell it right it wasn't a joke i just don't know how to talk uh we'd get the canine crunchies jingle here on the tv uh it's annoying as shit it sounds like it's sung by the siamese cats from lady and the tramp sung by one of the ugly stepsisters from cinderella oh okay which one anastasia the the sing sweet nightingale one anastasia (laughs) sure and then, yeah, here we get to meet our goober-ass villains, Jasper and Horace. They're uh, driving around in a rattly old jalopy, and they see Pongo and Perdita. And I believe they're called lorries. Is, in, that, in, uh, is that so? I've never in heard England. Uh, I was going to say so. Yeah, so they show up. They've got a great uh, scheme worked out where they're going to say they're from the uh, power company. But uh, <laughs> they're here to check the lights and the switches. And then Horace goes, yeah, we're from the gas, uh, the electric company. Right. Yeah. Which electric is spelled wrong because it says E L E C T I C, and there's a little shimmied in R, but even so, the R is shimmied in in the wrong place because it's shimmied in to spell electric. So, <laughs> believe it or not, these guys might be dumb. Wow, I think one is clearly you know more dumb or dumber. I don't know mm. which one dumber than the other. I guess we get a big silly fight with the nurse maid, whoever she is, Manny. Alex from the Brady Bunch. It's her. Okay. Sure. I'll allow it. We get a big silly fight from her with her. We sort of fight our way up into the uh, fight our way up into Roger's music room, and this is where I sort of notice what we're doing in the backgrounds here. Uh, some mm-hmm. of them, it is stylistic, but so, like for it to be nighttime, it's totally just like dotted line shit in the background that we just put a blue filter over to be like, well, this is what night looks like, which. I, we are stylizing it at least to sort of be like this is because we do that throughout the film but uh you can definitely see the corners being cut but they nab the puppies all 15 of them and they escape and then there are three newspaper headlines about it the following day because not a lot going on yeah, 15 i guess puppies get stolen <clears throat> i don't think would be a front page story um that would be like uh like 20 minutes into your local news show there'd be a blip about that right. i think yeah, we get more subtlety here with this phone conversation you were talking about. Did you notice Cruella DeVille's phone? <laughs> I did, and actually, I didn't notice so much as we watched, but I noticed on the uh, IMD page, IMDb page, the, good with letters today. the little face on the phone changes to match her mood. I didn't notice yeah, that. So, That's really cool. Uh, but the face is clearly a fucking devil face right, in a red-ass bat phone. Its expression matches how angry she is at the time. So mm. that's a that's a step we took. 
But you're right. Another <laughs> the woman uh, has a, the woman named Cruel Devil has a phone that is literally the devil. I think she might be bad. Where she accepts phone calls from Hell Hall, <laughs> and where two dumbasses are freaking out about the headline because they don't want to get caught by the cops. They, they have names: Horace and Jasper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a little dissonance between Cruella and and Horace and Jasper. Right, they think that there's too much heat. They right. gotta they gotta get rid of these puppies. Uh, the papers are all over it. There's they gotta it's too much. Mm-hmm. But Cruella says no. Quit being idiots. You gotta stick with this. We're gonna make tons of money. We just gotta kill them sooner. <laughs> right. Also, uh, a lot of idiots in this movie. Like it's true. Uh, then we get the the gag here where they're fighting over the phone. You idiot! And then mm-hmm. what did you call me? Right. That's not what Corilla sounds like. But <laughs> right. That would change the whole movie if she did. Anita calls Roger an idiot frequently. This yeah. movie's got that a potty mouth too. When Corilla calls them, like, right. what did you call me? Happens all over again. Right. Actually, she says Anita. <clears throat> right. This movie's got a potty mouth. Like I was not allowed to say idiot when I was watching this movie, and yeah. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was influencing me poorly. Probably so. Like the Ninja Turtle. When Raphael said damn, and that made you think you could say oh, damn too. The, I had to tattle. That happens. I remember happened. there's a lot of dams in the Ninja Turtle movie. Right, but there's one where, like, Raphael just damn. <laughs> so this is where we get the phone call from Cruella to uh, Anita and Roger. We kind of see Anita and Roger's dealing with, like... Oh, our puppies got stolen. We got to hear, waiting to hear back from Scotland Yard and all this silliness. But we really get to see uh, Pongo and Perdita, the dog, saying, realizing, well, we got to save the pups ourselves. So we got to use the Twilight Bark, which... I thought that was a cool concept, a way mm-hmm. to explain why dogs randomly start barking for no reason and the right. way they seem to bark. Uh, yeah, I thought it was creative, too. I bet it was a fun, like, what if in the story developing room of right, like i don't know if it comes from the novel or if it comes or if it's a disney invention but it's uh, it's nice yeah like a fun hey cities are full of barking dogs what if that's how the dog pony express works all right let's go with it and then <laughs> so we get a lot of fun dog cameos here that we a lot of dogs we saw in lady and the tramps are living in this city too we got jock we got the english bulldog we got the he's a tramp dog and we got Old Reliable, who has moved out to the country and is living with a goose. <laughs> with a different voice now, though. Right. Um, the I don't... goose, though, pretty similar to the goose from the Aristocats, mm-hmm. so we'll see. I don't know why these two are friends. Like, what's their... Where's their movie? <laughs> Where Old Reliable and a goose are hanging out. Also, speaking of which, I know they don't exist yet, but I really wanted the next thing to cut to to be the two dogs from Aristocats. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they are my favorite characters in possibly any Disney movie. They are pretty great but then we get not that we could think of them when we were supposed to mention our favorite characters when we were being interviewed that's uh, true by our... that was a massive oversight on our part yeah. well, no, well the best we could come up with was bowler hat guy <laughs> and the bat whose name we couldn't remember yeah and a silly gopher from fucking right yeah. lady in the tramp but instead we meet a tr- another trio of stupid animals <laughs> we meet uh, a horse a cat and a afghan dog is that what he is a big fuzzy dog with hair over his eyes uh they're the colonel sergeant tibbs and the captain is the horse's name Mm -hmm. and they're really silly like the colonel is clearly meant to be in charge of this situation but he is not helpful at all and he's very quick to give up on what's going on inept in every way yeah like he's trying to decipher the message and it's like oh 16 or 15 stolen 
Stolen puddles. Puddles all balderdash. That, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then later they're like, have you heard anything else about the those stolen puppies? And he's like, oh, nothing nothing today, sir. And then they're like, wait, here's some lights coming up the road. And he's like, oh, a car? Puppies wouldn't be driving a car. <laughs> and then he just right. stomps away. The cat is the real MVP here. Does all of the work, has all the great ideas. Basically does the colonel's job for him. Right. And then goes to <clears throat> investigate at Hell Hall. Right. He's going to go do a recon mission and see what's up over here. Uh, he gets there and, oh, look, there's way more than 15 puppies. He actually discovers there are 99 of them. Uh, the 15 stolen from... Roger and Anita are the only stolen ones. The rest were all bought and paid for. He initially <coughs> seems like he's going to be inept as well. When he goes to see if they're the same 15 stolen puppies, he finds it necessary to count each one of them as if he's going to be like, oh, there's only 12, so it couldn't be the same group. Like, uh, he seems it like he's going to be, uh, you know, down the same road as Horace and, and Jasper, but he quickly turns it around. Right. But 99 puppies in an old, decrepit house. Jesus Christ, that house must smell so bad. That is a good point. Ugh. There's another thing going on on this scene. Going on on the television that the puppies are all watching. We get some dancing sunflowers. Yeah. And they're only there for about three seconds, but the sunflowers are most definitely in blackface. Yeah. That's... Why? Yeah. Why? I don't know if that's an actual, like, cartoon. I think it might have been. Okay, in that case, that would make some sense. But why? You could pick any cartoon. Mm-hmm. Why would you pick that one to put in the movie? I, I don't know. Maybe, and especially, maybe it's foreshadowing, since later in the movie, the puppies will you also know? have to be in blackface. <laughs> maybe that's where they got the idea. There you go. Okay, huh. it's foreshadowing. I don't know, but that was a total just like, wait, no, seriously? Rewind. Yeah. But, yep. And it's it's a 60, 61 when this came out, so civil rights movement ain't, ain't quite done yet. I'm not, not comfortable at all with what was portrayed. But uh, in a later note, the, the fat puppy is stealing some food, because uh, that's how deep we wrote his character. Right. <laughs> He's stealing the meat out of Horace's sandwich, and uh, Horace is about... As well written as this guy, whereas, you know, the fat puppy is hungry. Uh, All Horace gets is the stupid Horace is dumb because he gets his meat stolen, doesn't know where it went. And then some chaos erupts as Jasper goes to grab the wine bottle he's drinking of, accidentally grabs the cat. Cat screams, chaos happens. And then we get like a three second clip of Horace trying to do something helpful and instead crashes through the piano has it fall on his head and goes face first into some cake through a cake we didn't even know was there nope. they didn't even like Chekhov's gun this cake nope. like we, where did the cake come randomly from randomly like, appearing cake it's like a wild cake appeared it seems like one of those things we've mentioned before of like where the animators just pick things that they think Walt likes and make sure to put it in a certain scene like oh Walt likes when people go into cake make mm. sure there's a cake like well we didn't set it up first it, okay. it, put it in the piano why would the cake be in the piano that's silly but some chaos amidst the chaos uh mr tibbs sergeant tibbs is a yeah, please <laughs> call me respect. mr tibbs sergeant tibbs is able to uh shove shove all the puppies out the door and they they escape into the snow and then we cut to different scenes twilight bark is coming back pongo and perdita are, are on the trail they know where the dogs are at and they're off to go Go get the job done themselves. They got a long trek ahead of them. Sergeant Tibbs struggles to get one of the puppies through the hole because fat puppies too fat for the hole, and that's right. a thing too. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
so yeah we get sort of pongo and perdita's trials as they're cutting uh, cutting their way across the country they got to go through an icy river which we've talked about animation uh downgrades a bit throughout this film but uh the icy river i thought looked pretty well done and it really captured the like the tension of like oh shit we got to swim across and and a dangerous could freeze to death to do, could get yeah. washed away but that i mean you got to get to their children to use another wrestling term here believe it or not uh throughout the film i thought pongo was really good at selling like he sort of takes a lot of the heat in this film he's got to get over the danger of the icy river he's the one who's getting beat up by jasper later and that's sort of one thing uh we use him a lot to sort of get over the danger of the situation. We left out a little bit more bumblingness from the uh, the henchmen as they're trying to escape, where they manage to fall down the stairs on top of each other. One of them hits the other with a poker and his backswing. Yep. Like, just, just... There was a lot of silliness in that, that whole scene. Oh, no, actually, because that scene hasn't happened yet. No, no, never mind then. My bad, the dogs have not yet escaped right, because so. we cut back and then... Right, because they hide under the <laughs> stairs, which is also stupid. Like, why... The way that staircase is set up, like, it's up against a wall. Mm-hmm. There's an area under the stairs, but not, like, with a wall and a door, like, where Harry... No. If we're back to Harry Potter, where he lived in, in uh, right. his muggle house. Uh, it's just an open area there, which would do nothing but collect dust. Like, you couldn't and put anything there. collapse the stairs if they didn't have more, like... Uh, support underneath them and it would just like you couldn't put anything there you couldn't hang out there right. you couldn't put a table or anything there uh, like if you play video games that's where you're gonna find like extra ammo and like helpful, that's probably helpful true. shit will be under those stairs Health, you gotta check probably yeah but no because we did jump ahead because we cut back to stupid henchmen now they're watching a game show which i would totally watch this game what's show, my by the crime way. why isn't this a, a thing a parody of what's my line <clears throat> right but it's a uh, a criminal being brought in and then uh, like a panel of guests have to guess what the crime they committed was and i yeah i don't think this would ever get on now what did i go viral for could work that though. could be uh, i don't know yeah. it doesn't match the what's my crime i don't know what's my but then cruella deville shows up and is like why are these puppies still alive we got to kill them and the henchmen are like we don't want to kill them yet because they're not going to make any money and she's like but we gotta because the cops are after us and you know all this shit so she says uh poison them drown them bash them in the head if you haven't figured out that cruella Deville is an evil character yet here's some right. reinforcements uh remember she's suggesting to do all these things to puppies mm-hmm. think about that <laughs> She also asks, do you have any chloroform? And Hora says, no, we don't have any ether. Either. <laughs> Either. Bonk. <laughs> Silly humor. But then we have the big escape, and Fat Pup gets left behind and then struggles to get out, and then bonking each other in the head, and then we hide under the stairs, like you said. And then, at this point, Pongo and Perdita arrive, and they get to have the big fight with Horace and Jasper, and, uh... I was drawing comparisons between this scene and the fights we got to see Tramp have in Lady and the Tramp. A lot more tension in this scene because uh, the the Dalmatians are actually outsized and outmatched. And they're like, believe right. it or not, the dogs are the underdogs. Right. I mean, I think they wanted there to be tension in the fight between Tramp and the rat before anyone stopped to think about the size <laughs> right. difference in Tramp and a rat. It's a fucking rat. And the amount of damage a rat could do in a room with a baby compared to the amount of damage Tramp actually does do in a room <laughs> right. with a baby. Much like the fight scene uh, at the end of uh, 
Man of Steel, where Superman causes way more damage <laughs> than if he'd have just let Zod take over the city. Right. Uh, which I guess is sort of a plot point in the next movie, but I'm saying that was an accident, <laughs> and they just tried to make up for how stupid the first movie was. Not that I the can believe that Batman versus Superman was, you know, just the smartest movie ever made <laughs> or anything. I've not watched either of those films. I think I've made the right decision and just letting the DC Cinematic Universe move on past me. But the pups make it out. They they reunite with the parents and uh, they're like, oh, yes, we have our 15 puppies back. And it's kind of awkward for the remaining 84 puppies that are around them. Uh, but then they're like, oh, OK, well, you're all coming with us. Which does make you wonder why, I mean, the other puppies were bought and paid for. Why did they, why 84? Like, well, also, why didn't, why did they only, if they're going to steal 15 puppies, why don't they continue to steal puppies? Well, maybe they just wanted Dalmatians. Maybe they didn't know where to come across any other Dalmatian puppies. I mean, I guess maybe they went to several different pet stores and Mm -hmm. bought puppies there. And that's why it came out to a weird number. But I don't, I don't know. Seems like if you had, you know, that many, I mean, they were saying they're not big enough to get much fur but a hundred dogs like i feel like that's a lot of fur. i think they want to make a hundred coats though oh okay all yeah. right so as they're escaping what was of course a small snowstorm before a relatively small one is now turned into an epic blizzard uh that they can only hope to go so far in before they get too tired and weak and right. cold to go on Right, but then uh, Lassie appears and says, oh, well, we've got a place for you to take shelter. Uh, you can shelter in the dairy barn across the road. Personally, I'd rather shelter... Shelter in the Dairy Queen. I'll take <laughs> You did take my joke. <laughs> Personally, I'd rather shelter in the Dairy Queen across the road, but uh, that's just me. The cows take pity on them, and they feed the pups, and... Uh, Which they did, and guess what there were complaints about? Is that too People wrote too in awkward? that it was inappropriate for the dogs to... Uh, to nurse (laughs) to nurse or for the cows to nurse the dogs or whichever the way nurse works is a verb uh there were complaints it was okay complaints about nature (laughs) there were complaints there it was okay earlier in the movie the dogs nursed on a dog own mom but Mm -hmm. now that they're sucking on a cow zutter on on an utter instead of their mother it's not okay and complaints were made inappropriate I, so my note just says inappropriate gals, so I had to explain why they were Yeah, that would be gals. really unhelpful. If we watched this several weeks ago and then tried to talk oh, about it, you would be real confused. Damn gals were so inappropriate. <laughs> like they were just foul-mouthed or something. What are these fucking dogs doing here? Oh. It was around this point, I got kind of bored. Yeah, me too. Which I don't think has happened much in these Disney movies. No, Even I, the shitty ones I've I been like too. paying attention. Yeah. And I don't know why, like I don't... I don't really have anything against anything in this movie. Like, it feels competent on all points. I think what hurts is we're supposed to think they have this long journey back in front of them in Mm -hmm. snow and cold. But we just saw Pongo and Perdido make Perdita make make this journey. I'm going to go buy a bag of Perditos later and (laughs) shout out on those. We just saw them make this journey. In like two minutes. Yeah. I mean, granted, they're healthy adults and not small children. But they got montaged across right but so that takes a lot of the oomph out of it, it. Does, there's less yeah. tension if we know like this is a manageable distance this isn't homeward mm-hmm. bound the incredible journey right or the whole movie isn't the journey back like right yeah so or that's the journey what I was there saying before about it being yeah. unfocused um, yeah i can see uh, also something outside of the film's perspective i think watching this on tv hurt things as well having to fast forward through commercials every couple minutes 
That definitely hurt my enjoyment of it. I but. don't know. Sometimes that makes me more focused on the movie because I know I'm going to get to fast forward again soon. <laughs> so it's like, got to be ready. Paying attention. Going, uh, get ready. Could be. But I don't know. Like, a thing we haven't mentioned uh, along the way here, when the other animals are helping Pongo and the and Perdita and the, and the puppies, they always refer to them as the Pongos. So right. is Pongo his last name or is his name like Mario Pongo Pongo? <laughs> Uh, is this is he more like Schmidt from New Girl? Um, did you watch the most recent I episode? I did. Yeah, okay. I thought it sort of seemed to me like they decided a week before writing yeah. this episode that <laughs> what if to... we gave him a first name? Some like, serious hot shotting on this New Girl. <laughs> it's not. It, I wonder if I haven't heard whether or not it's renewed for next year. Like, I wonder if they're trying to wrap the series up. Would make sense. They're clearly putting Nick and Jessica back together. Right. We know Schmidt's name. It kind of seems like. But it seems like if you were going to hide Smith's name for that long, you need a cool, uh, you know, because my guess was going to be like, uh, maybe it's Adolf, like, or maybe it's like <laughs> something weird. Well, uh, I read a not exactly reputable source, but a person on the internet on the New Girl subreddit said they okay. talked to the creator of the show about it. <laughs> but the theory they had was that his name was going to be Nick nick schmitz and that's why when schmidt and nick became like college roommates or whatever then there was going to be a whole like oh we'll have like a competition to see who gets to make keep being nick and things right. like that so i don't know if this was like a wwe-esque they know what we're about to do so let's change it at the last minute for no reason and make it winston or i don't know we are not talking about 101 dalmatians right now i can't stand megan fox yeah I'm aware and, of that. Uh, just ugh. that whole show's been rough the past right, season or two. Right, but I think she's a, a you know cause of that. She's part of it, and we've been sort of going down the same fucking well, plot threads and over and the over show again. Is better, like most comedy shows, uh, is better when you don't have to care what happens to the characters. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we talked before about Seinfeld, and I haven't watched a whole lot of Seinfeld, but I know that I don't give a shit whatever happens to George or right. Well, or Jerry and like, that's, but they're gonna do something funny and then I'll see him next week do something funny right. again and that was why Seinfeld was so successful and I get, I get that Cheers is the one that messed this up for everybody with the Sam and Diane and will they ever get together and that's why we had to do the, that the, the first romantic plot thread in a sitcom have, there might have been others but and that's why we had to do it in Jim and Pam but everyone knows The Office got shit when they mm-hmm. uh got married too when they definitely hot shot at that and that should have been the series finale should have been their wedding but you know i've kind of come to a a point of like just hating every network show that i watch and i don't know if that's the effect of netflix or what but like when they come up they have to do 20 something episodes a season and so they come up with four ideas (laughs) right and it seems like about 12 of those maybe if we're being generous actually need to be episodes and then there's like well we got to stretch it out a little more right um compared to like a netflix show where they go what we're we're just gonna make 10 or 12 or 8 or whatever Mm. and we'll focus on those and they'll each tell a story and it'll be great one rising sherlock uh right. the same thing if we and i think a lot of british shows are more like that uh compared to and and hbo shows are like that too i think definitely game of thrones is more like that um from what i've heard about it because again watch two episodes maybe episode and a half i think yeah so back to what's going on here uh yeah pongo pongo not sure if, i assume that's his name pongo pongo that must be it you're right and perdita pongo 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 in the uh, original novel, I believe uh, it was just Mr. and Mrs. Pongo, um, hmm. and then they made up the name Perdita for the uh, 
for well it'd be weird if he called his wife mrs bongo instead of like honey or sugar or whatever you call uh i'm sorry i set us back like 60 years by calling women honey and sugar but i think it's okay to call someone that you're coupled up with honey and sugar i think it's when you just i don't think anyone says sugar anymore i think that one's pretty dated sweetie make me uh so the dogs are all escaping <laughs> yeah in a blizzard mm-hmm. there's they uh you know they they take refuge in this barn then they sort of sneak out the back once the bad guys are showing up uh i was pretty amazed they didn't lose any puppies during all this running away uh i guess puppies are better than like video game ai because i think it would have been more realistic if pongo and perdita had to back up because like 23 puppies got stuck on a wall <laughs> yeah, or in a doorway <laughs> they they take care at least initially as they're escaping to walk on the frozen surfaces as mm-hmm. opposed to the snowed over surfaces which so we get the humor footprints. of the dumb guy figuring this out horace and being told ah no horse you know dog don't know about tracks and right they'd be in the snow they do eventually have to shift to the snow and mm-hmm. then pongo tries to cover up their tracks yep uh, but does a piss poor job of it only tries to cover them up over the road which doesn't right. isn't really helpful uh they're all marching in a straight line like sand people would do to, to hide their numbers <laughs> it's true uh they don't have to really hide them these could be any animal's tracks uh they're not side by side like stormtroopers uh they could have gotten away with this plan maybe uh-huh. dogs really aren't that smart maybe <laughs> but of course corella pulls up and sees the only set of footprints around mm-hmm. and decides and it couldn't have been a deer or any other nope. woodland creature. it must have been 101 dogs exactly walking in a straight line see there are two <laughs> footprints all the way down uh, that wouldn't even be tracks at all at that point that would just be slush right like. yeah so we end up in sort of this town area uh they hide in an abandoned building they meet they meet this lab that kind of helps them out the lab only gets a couple lines but right when he started talking i felt the need to imdb his voice because i thought for a minute it was phil harris and that this would have been his first he, disney he appearance one line that sounded like phil harris mm-hmm. but it was but as he continued to talk it didn't because I thought about that too, and then I was mm-hmm. like, that's not really him, though. Right. But as we're hiding out in this building, the image we get of Cruella, like, slowly driving by and looking in the window, it's really good, it's nice and tense. This made me think of video games, too. Uh, we mentioned video games before, jokingly, under the stairs, but the idea of the of two of them... The line of sight. Yeah, like, circling through the streets and having to get from point A to point B without being noticed or whatever seems uh, very video game-esque to me. Mm-hmm. But then we get the blackface disguise of we'll all cover ourselves in soot and pretend to be Labradors. And this this helps him initially because the stupid ass villains don't go, huh, it, you know, it must be 101 other dogs. What a coincidence. <laughs> uh-huh. This town is just overrun with puppies. Like, I mm. think I heard about that on the news. <laughs> Read about that in the news. Uh, but either way. Radio. No, no, TV. They're watching TV, yeah. too. Like, okay. But the melting snow reveals the truth. They get uh, dripped on, and then uh, that leads to patches of white showing up on these labs, and Cruella going, wait, what the hell? And then, okay, we gotta chase them down. They're trying to sneak into this back of this milk truck to escape, which means now we get uh, milk truck driver versus what he calls crazy woman driver. Yeah, that There's, was unfortunate. Now, she is a crazy driver who happens to be a woman, but I, mean, I feel like that guy very freely throws that out there. I also feel like there's people that would gladly say those exact words today. Sure. Some of them are related to us. Oh, yeah, so. definitely. But uh, 
yeah, we get this sort of a car chase is our, our big finale. We get one scene where they're trying to get on a bridge sort of at the same time. And uh, Cruella DeVille actually goes down off off the, the ditch into like the snow drift. And this is a scene that looks rough in it HD. It does look bad, yeah. I think it was rotoscoped was what the the issue was when her car is in the snow here. Because it looks kind of like fucking it did animated like it Lord did, of the Rings. It didn't match. The no. snow that she drives into doesn't match the background. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened, but it was bad. I think that would have been kind of okay looking on a vcr quality but when it's blown up and widescreen hd it looks kind of terrible her car no sells it though and she's able to drive out of the snowdrift and mm-hmm. continue the the high speed pursuit right and then this all sort of climaxes when we get a full-on close-up demon face from cruella where her eyes are just like flashing lights and her hair's sticking out on end we, we've talked about the subtlety but this is full-blown like full-blown like you have turned into a monster and now we're going to do a big climax here, which causes Horace and Jasper are coming down one way to try to cut off the truck. Cruella's coming from behind. They mistime it, and they all go tumbling off a cliff, seemingly suffering no injuries. But Right, their cars fall apart, Right, but they appear to be okay. It's a, it's a plot device death of like, it's not really a Disney death. They're fine, but we don't, they don't appear again. I don't, do they even get like a, oh, they're locked up now headline or something. Yeah. I don't know why we did that as opposed to just showing them hitting and going over the edge. Like we did with the, with the wicked queen from, uh, from Snow White. Like why? I don't know. Maybe we just didn't think, I mean, maybe they thought with dogs, being the main thing this might be a younger audience but we clearly just showed like scary ass devil imagery from cruella deville so i don't don't know i don't get it but eh, the dogs make it home we cut back to roger and anita uh we can find out that roger's become a success in the the time that's passed but he can't enjoy it because he's so sad about the uh right the puppies they're still heartbroken they're like oh i can't and the adult dogs now because they didn't know right because they they think they've run away i wrote down they didn't tell them they were leaving as if they could have told them like yeah hey guys we're gonna go look for our kids (laughs) we'll be back well they know how to spell they could have written a note they could have i don't they don't have thumbs Mm. you're right but uh yeah and then we get the big reunion of, oh, shit, here's 101 labs and are running in our door and licking us in the face. What? Oh, wait, they're covered in soot. These are our dogs, plus 84. Right. Uh, but it was a pretty emotional reunion, I thought. It was like, oh, Pongo, old boy. Like, it gets at you a little bit. It's like, oh, they're all back together. And uh, so, yeah, now we count them all up and, oh, it's, you know, we've got our puppies, but where are all these other ones? And Roger's like, well, fuck it, let's adopt all of them. We'll we'll have a hundred and one Dalmatians, and they're like, "Where will we put them all?" And then we're like, "We'll buy a new house, a plantation," and then the whoa, what a sensation! And then just to be clear, he wants to fill his plantation with black dogs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel like we're drawing dogs some conclusions <laughs> that we're not meant to be drawn. Okay, but you're right, Dalmatian plantation, they which is going to be his follow up single, which. I don't want to undersell Roger's musical success. He is successes. a one-hit wonder. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of guys who got one hit and then were on top of the world and bought huge houses and then it, it <laughs> yeah, wasn't a point. lasting yeah. success. <laughs> and uh, I don't have much faith in Dalmatian Plantation as a follow-up because I've seen, I've studied a lot of like, you know, the one-hit wonder follow-up song and this is like, this is a total follow-up like the guy who did Kung Fu Fighting 
his follow-up song was called Dance the Kung Fu, and it was the exact same <laughs> so song. So it's not like, like Chubby Checker with... Uh, that. Well, that was at least another success with... Uh, but there are several. Like, there's not... I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there's twist the then twist, let's and twist, twist again, again. And then, then there's like, like slow twisting and uh, then there's like, like summer twist or Christmas something twist yeah. I think, like there's a, a million twists well he made that work dance the kung fu and dalmatian plantation yeah, are not going to I yeah and think. then the movie just ends yeah. like that's the end we'll this adopt them all suffers from uh what we actually haven't watched yet this time but will sword in the stone uh hmm. syndrome of just like and we're done like you don't really know necessarily i mean you this one you have sort of a feeling that it's headed towards the end right so in the sword in the stone is definitely like uh, okay end and, of movie uh, i guess we'll go home now right like uh this movie's main problem and i know we're jumping ahead a little bit to the scoring i mean we're at the end so is cruella like I and i so. know she's seen as a great disney villain mm. uh but she's the problem with this movie and it's not i guess not her so much as the writers behind her right but uh because there are two types of Disney villains. Mm-hmm. There are your incredibly serious, scary ones, and there are your incredibly goofy, silly, uh, charismatic ones. Right. And she is in between, right. and not in a like best of both worlds way, but in a stuck in between. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, she's as evil as can possibly be. Let's name the serious ones. Let's give examples. Lady of, Tremaine. Of the ones we've watched so far, Lady yeah. Tremaine and Maleficent, Jafar fits into that. The evil queen he from Snow White. a little bit goofy at the end yeah. when he's getting his comeuppance, but for the majority Scar, of the movie, he very is completely serious. serious. Scar, definitely. Frollo, very serious. Right. Um, um, the other side of that is like evil, but also very silly and dramatic about it. Whereas, right. Which is also great, too, when we get like, I would put... Uh, Ursula in that category because she's she's doing very evil shit but she's also getting I think lively Ursula songs is maybe what Corella should be like oh, sort of like in the, the best middle of both of, worlds yeah. there although I guess she doesn't really do much that's goofy but she's no. sort of in the okay. middle so do you just want straight goofy villains we got hook we've got bowler hat guy as a as a current ish one uh who else is goofy um, well iago compared like if, if mm. jafar just those two illustrate the two disney types yeah, of villains pretty like, much edgar from the aristocats is straight is goofy. goofy yeah and uh, not as charismatic film... as these other ones we're mentioning but yeah. no but this film i think is pretty similar to aristocats as far as like i think aristocats is a more focused version of this where it's like right. we had this life in the city now we're lost now we have to get back home i think most people would say 101 dalmatians classic disney movie aristocats not so much disney movie but, but I, I like it much better than this we'll yeah. See, yeah we'll see when we get to the scoring but i love aristocats and i got pretty bored by this like, and maybe i mean some people would might call it a ripoff of this or a mm-hmm. redoing this or whatever but i but it's doing it better is is mm-hmm. the thing where it's not like sleeping beauty is a lot like snow white and isn't as good right this is a lot polished. like everyone dalmatian and focused right we know what we're maybe not polished because it's not like better animation or anything no. like that like it's probably cheaper than this but so the problem it's you know you can make a, a movie that's still good with a villain that you're not sure about but like that whole last scene of the snow chase mm-hmm. suffers from you don't know how serious the danger is because you know her henchmen are are not a threat right and she goes back and forth from being a goofball to to being a serious threat yeah and so there's no like because 
the moment where she sees the the tracks should have been a, oh shit they're boxed yeah. in she's going one way her henchmen are going the other they're gonna meet in the middle and right. the puppies are gonna be there and it should have been how are they gonna get out of this right but it was not that because it was well there's no evidence that they're going to slow down the puppies in any way they're probably right. the safest with them near them <laughs> like the closer we are to danger the farther we are from harm exactly uh yeah because i think if, i mean if you're writing your villain to be this person will murder puppies right as their their motivation i think you want that be that person to be more of a lady tremaine kind of like cold to the world like will do this and will not think twice about it as opposed to like standing up on a mountain and going i'm evil the whole movie right like, and, I and think lady that... tremaine is motivated by greed too but right. there's also but this, personal greed and and specific like yeah i want my daughter one of my daughters to be the I, new queen i say personal greed as if there's any other kind i didn't right. clarify that focused. well focused uh, yeah but you know something specific to her that she wants for right. herself well, this is i want to make money which i already have a lot of <laughs> i want fancy these. coats which i already have a lot of right and so it's not there's not a reason for her to be a villain. She's just a terrible person, mm -hmm. which I mean, I'm fine with a villain not having any redeeming qualities, but there should be a, a, something that causes that villain to be bad. Yeah. Like uh, if you look a different Iago, if you go with Othello Iago, yes, uh, he's a dick mm -hmm. and has no redeeming uh, qualities. But the reason he's being a dick is because he got passed over for a promotion he thought he was going to get. Right. Like, causes him to do everything else that he does. It's an overreaction, and he's an asshole. But that's that's what it is, right? Corella doesn't have that. Corella has, I want to make more fur. Like. Right. Which we're not in a, and certainly not in the 60s, in a fur is murder a viewpoint, you know. Like, PETA's not a real thing at this time. You better behave, or we're going to be making some fur. One sock yeah they're very small dogs yeah i see what you mean a lot you've sort of vocalized a lot of what i couldn't figure out how to put into words what was sort of uh not not connecting with me in this film mm -hmm. because most of these categories i was like eh, decent and eh, all right but not perfect like and i think it's it's a lot of that unfocusing because since we're already talking on meanie i guess we can just give our scores for that now because, yeah, not perfect is exactly what I wrote. She's trying too hard. Uh, I think, I mean, her character is, I want to murder cute animals. And that's a bit over the top. But like you said, it's not, like, her personality isn't over the top enough. Like, she's stuck in the middle like that. And the film isn't a, it's bad to wear fur film. Like, it's mm -hmm. not fur is murder, like I, like I was just saying. Like, right. it's just it's bad to wear the fur of things that you, you like, like i guess <laughs> yeah and so it's yeah i mean she is an interesting looking character good design uh, and good, is memorable and, and, and the the voice actress as well does an excellent job i think and is memorable the actress who plays anita was originally supposed to be uh gorilla, gorilla. really and was going to play her with a Zsa Zsa Gabor accent, mm -hmm. um, which I think, because she wore a lot of furs, and that mm -hmm. would make sense. Uh, they went in a different direction, decided to do that instead. But um, Interesting. I don't know if that, I don't think it would have helped anything. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah. I, I mean, she's definitely, she has moments where she looks like a threat, and moments where she looks evil. Right. And she's definitely memorable, like we were saying, but it falls but, short. And she and, suffers from, she employs 
idiots who are not gonna get any get sure. the job from done for her. she should Mellif- know better Mellifson than has that. idiots too though and she's and an effective villain but we had to discuss why she was not so effective at the end of that because like she's more effective than corella though that's true so for me i'm gonna go three points i gave her three okay uh <clears throat> backing up uh the matters uh which is the plot of the film uh again decent not great pongo and perdita aren't great at carrying a movie i don't think Mm. and they a lot of times don't carry the movie because we spend like half of it not with them well and that also plays into the unfocusedness of it right from the intro of the movie it sounds like the plot of the movie is going to be can i find a woman for my master but then we resolve that immediately then that happens right away yeah and so then everything that happens after that was not really introduced right and it just and yeah, uh, like, again, that that sounds like everything, every discussion that was had in, like, my writing classes I took was, like, from your beginning, you should know what is the motivation of right, your like the, protagonist. Whichever, you know, like in whichever Jane Austen story it is, where, you know, from the initial paragraph, you know, this story is about this woman's not married and she's gonna need to get married that could be several but i'm gonna say pride and prejudice Uh, who knows that's the one i've seen Uh, all the movies being i don't even know the way it starts because i can't be bothered to give a shit about jane austen but Mm -hmm. anyway but that from the start that's what that movie is about and it's clear that that's what that movie is about or that movie book you could have you've struggled this hard to get this analogy out you could have picked any other film of what does this main character want? introduces the main conflict from the opening paragraph of the That's book. That's fair, Which yeah. most books don't in- initially Right do. off the bat, no. Like, uh, Tale of Two Cities doesn't do that, but no. it sets the scene for the rest of the story. Right. This is a totally tangentially related... I mean, I guess it's not more than it's tangentially. A, it's right. important that he finds his main... And it's a flashback. It's also not necessary. Like, they could no. already be together. Which hey, is, our life is so great, and now we're going to have a kid, and that's great. Which is more time to devote to what do we want, how are we going to get there by the end of this film. If the human people aren't important to the story, <laughs> which they're really not, why spend the opening part of the movie really focusing on them? Like, why not go more I mean, Lady totally in the Tramp? Jim Deere and Darling them, and they're just side characters. Maybe right. they didn't want to do that because that's what they just recently did well, and 10 because years you earlier. need the human villain to, you need yeah. lady or corella deville to be the the villain so maybe you need to introduce some humans and some nice humans to show how she's not a nice human right yeah it's just it's tore up from the floor up <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it <laughs> or in other words three points i also get yeah i gave it three you gave it three and a half yeah if i get bored during your disney movie like you're not gonna get a high plot score because something's wrong we were talking about the meanie but it, we can go on to the plot score we already did that though th- oh. well did- i also gave three to the matters okay because of everything we just said uneven rushed uh the ending was rushed mm-hmm. then there's just just problems all over like we mentioned yeah. All right, what's next? Uh, music. Music, I think, is where I gave the most praise. I'm going to say good, not great. I'm going to say four points for the music because I love the jazz, and you're going to giggle again, but uh, Cruella DeVille, like, that is a number one Disney single. There are other ones that are also number one hits that are probably better than that, but I love it, and it's really the only song in the movie, and that's unfortunate, but the, the other ones that do show up are fine and serve their purpose, and I think that... Cruella DeVille is a good enough single to carry the film. So I'm given four points. The guy who does the, uh, the song, Cruella DeVille, Cruella DeVille mm-hmm. uh, is also the singing voice of Captain Von Trapp in The Sound of Music. Is that so? I, about that. 
haven't watched that movie since I was nine. So, so. Edelweiss. That seems like a thing Kelsey would have made you watch by now. I like, think she has it and shows it to like the band oh, students she's watching and stuff. School, so there's yeah. no reason to watch it at home. But okay. no, I don't think she's like a huge fan of the movie or anything. <laughs> okay. She has other musicals she likes. I've had to see like Seven Brides or Seven Brothers a lot. Yeah, I have and, no idea what that is. Uh, some Bing Crosby Christmas movies, which are okay. Uh, anyway, your I music. the music three. Um, you're right. Corella Deville is an iconic song, although for me it's a little. Eh. It doesn't. It doesn't move me. I know. The, the intro I like more probably than Corella Deville. Although hmm. I'm sure when we do our you know rankings at the end of our next set of ten episodes, like you'll have already heard in the epi- first ten episode recap. Don't say that. You don't know when I'm putting these out. <laughs> They might be in different orders. If we decide to recap 10 episodes and we decide to rank the best songs in the movie, I'm sure I will still pick Corella DeVille, but I'm tempted to pick the jazzy intro because I think it's a little eh. But uh, uh, yeah, three, like there's one song in it and that song is good, but not great in my opinion. Right. And well, I think we've had movies where I haven't been able to pick a good song out of. That so. is true. Yes. Yeah. But I think if we're picking iconic Disney songs so far, like this is below... Uh, when you wish upon a star this is below although most things are below i mean that's not fair i picked yeah, the, in, in the terms Disney of iconicness like, right i think it's below <clears throat> a lot of things from snow white like okay but in terms of iconic songs and how much i like them personally <laughs> well that is we a take, complicated thing for me to we rank. take the iconics and then rank rearrange those okay i don't know uh, anyway three for me four for you okay mise-en-scene it is a downgrade in quality but i don't think that detracts because i think they make the backgrounds work like when we have mm-hmm. the fight in the, the in hell hall like when the dogs show up and it becomes a full-blown fight the backgrounds it's the same like dotted line background we've seen but now it's a completely red filter to look like dramatic fight scene kind of right. like the shit we got in bambi when we got a fight scene there of just With like the colors changing yeah, yeah. so we're we're clearly working on a limited budget but we're making it work to our advantage. And that's great and way to go. So I'm going to give it four. I also think London looked good. And mm-hmm. I think the designs of like our physical comedy that we got abun- abundance of in this film. Like, you know, the design of like fat henchmen and like just, you know, dog that's blowing the fur out of his eyes so he can see. All of that's great design. Four points. I think you said in a recent episode that you're going to start scoring uh, the mise-en-scene also based on the performances the voice actors give. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this is a good movie to do that with. uh, They're all real character actors, yeah. While Corella has her own issues, uh, the voice actor brings her A-game to it. Like, Mm -hmm. that character is that voice that comes out of it. Not quite in the same way as Lady Tremaine and, and Maleficent, but in that vein. Right. And, and I think the voices of uh, Jasper and Horse are oh, great, yeah. too. Uh, less so on the puppies and, and the... They're pretty interchangeable. The humans uh, in, in general, the non-evil humans. Uh, but Corella and her henchmen are great. Like, I already mentioned the, the, the way the backgrounds look and the sort of less detailed but more colorful uh, backgrounds. Right. Uh, especially in London. Uh, look great. I think the cameos were a bit, a bit cameos were a bit ham-handed, but uh, yeah, but they're only there for like a scene. Yeah, but why? And also, it doesn't seem like our timeline lines up. Like Lady and the Tramp seems to be maybe early 1900s, where this is pretty. I mean, These the are descendants. Like pretty 50s, definitely, or late, probably 50s. Yeah, maybe 60s, 50s. Yeah, and so it seems unlikely that those dogs would still be alive. <laughs> 
True. Well, I mean, we don't know that they're the same dogs. We don't really hear them talk. Uh, outside of the true. one we do talk has a different voice, so. Did you say your numbers? I don't know, but I, four. Okay. Four. Uh, so that takes us to message, which it's, I, this is the biggest, like, bleh, I don't have a clue, because yeah. we're lacking in any sort of message at all, I think. Like, we're trying to sell tell a story of, like, Oh, the good guys got their puppies back from the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's not really anything more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we're not telling a love story. We're not telling, you know, the bond between parents and kids. I guess we're kind of doing... We're trying to do that because they want their kids back. But we don't really see the heartbrokenness when they're gone very much. Or I don't know. It, this is uh, all unfocused as well and i think part of that stems from the villain that we get whereas if your villain is just i'm evil like there's not enough nuances to sort of draw like i mean greed is bad is that a message we're going with and it stems uh, you know from the like you were saying from the unfocusedness of the whole movie Mm -hmm. if we made the movie about the relationship between the parents and the puppies then you know you could have either pongo or perdita say at the beginning of the movie oh nothing could ever keep me from you or i'll always find you or come back for you or whatever right and then make that why they're so hell-bent on getting to their puppies and back home and all that but they don't do that and Mm -hmm. we don't see them i mean they do overcome obstacles on their way back but they're we're just they're fiat obstacles we just said they were obstacles randomly like now the distance is a great concern although it wasn't a great concern when right. they were running to get there and i mean sure it's different with puppies than it is with full-grown adults but i gave it a three and that's probably too high yeah i was going to myself so i'm not backing off because i don't want to mess it up and have it score under a different movie so i we will freely admit that we are uh doctoring playing god with the numbers here of like a score a movie and then go whoa i don't know like that one shouldn't really be in third place right things i probably should have done early on when i was shitting on bambi so much and it's like bambi's probably better than alice in wonderland but much better than this movie and then finally we get to our magic score which i think summing up all these other scores comes down the magic the magicality of this film which is not much because, again, I got kind of bored throughout and we're unfocused. You? And the music is good, but that's not enough. So I'm going three. I, that's... I went three as well. I'm kind of confused about how this movie, because it is memorable. And it is a, if you name a Disney movie, it probably won't be the first one people say, but it'll be one of the first ones. If you said name five, I think it would it be. It would definitely be in this. Especially game. if it wasn't name five that came out. Name five that came out before the 90s. If you're not asking a five-year-old, yeah. Um, Yeah, and I'm not sure why it's as memorable. Like, if you had to... We've talked before about using uh, the idea of reducing a movie to a, a GIF and using that a GIF... Reducing what is the gift of this the, movie? Right, that's what I was going to say. There's there's not really one you could use. Like, maybe just a shot of, of Cruella at any point, because uh, mm-hmm. that's really all this movie has going for it. And we, which is a problem since we just said she was the main problem with the movie. Right. She is somehow the best and worst quality of this movie. But, uh, but what else? Yeah, I mean, the song, like you said, is memorable. Uh, I wonder if it's memorable just because a lot of people saw it. Maybe. And that's why they remember this movie, and I'm not sure why or what else. I was just looking up what else came out that year, but this was the highest grossing movie of 1961. 
Really? Uh, and that is shocking to me because it's, you know, just okay. Mm-hmm. And why? I don't know. But so I'm just wondering if because that many people saw it and because it's a dog movie, people will always keep watching it. If that's if it's memorable because a lot of people have seen it and not because it's good. Right. Like some things are memorable because they're good. Right. Some things are memorable because you saw it like. But yeah, number one movie uh, by a large distance uh, of 1961. Uh, The next closest West Side Story. Uh, but it's not close. The 101 Dalmatians made $186,000 or $186 million. Uh, West Side Story made $19 million. So we're talking, you know, a lot more. The main reason they made this movie, or one of the goals while they were making this movie, was to recoup the money that they yeah. lost on Sleeping Beauty, which and was they a massive did that. flop. Right. And they definitely did that as it was far and away the highest grossing movie of 1961. But it's not the best movie in 1961, I'm sure. I'm also sure of that. Uh, so. I don't want to re-add mine again in case they don't add up properly. It adds up to 19 points, damn it. Hey, so does mine. 19 uh, hidden Mickey dog spots. It turns out there's a hidden Mickey on nearly every dog in the Is movie. Is that so? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Uh, 19 crazy woman drivers. Oh, uh, nice. Nope, oh, that's probably bad. 19 blackface sunflowers. Oh, no. 19 dogs out of 30. Yeah, uh, that 19 uh, is enough to put 101 Dalmatians into seventh place out of the 11 movies that we have ranked so far for me that's gonna be you can tell how we score things differently because 19 is enough to get into fourth place for me uh that'll put it just underneath lady in the tramp which is fair because i like lady in the tramp better than i liked this i don't know if the same was true when i was a kid but it is the better film i uh even without a villain i'm still having a hard time uh looking jake in the eye knowing that he ranked peter pan so lowly in his list i think it's what next to last in years it, it is yeah. oh you have it ahead of this i mean worse than this movie like, yeah i do oh. again drawing back to mr toad again uh when we did that episode you hated that film because you thought mr toad himself was so annoying and like you tried to tell the story of a lovable rogue but if you don't actually make him lovable then i don't want to watch this movie and that is how i felt the whole time i watched peter pan oh, i don't like peter pan either but i love captain hook so much well which is he wasn't doing it the for opposite me. of this movie of where the villain worked so well that it made everything else work in this case uh the villain didn't work and it made everything else fall apart uh, we'll see how that trend continues as we go on to our next movie, which is the Sword in the Stone, which is not going to help the villain. Look out! Tell back of the pack, here comes yeah. another film. Uh, we got a challenge. It's coming for you, Fantasia. <laughs> so yeah, so look forward to that I one, haven't everybody. Been, you know what we did originally, and we dropped off on was doing the IMDb scores of these things. Yeah, to keep I wondered track of if that. you remembered that. I haven't been, uh, but I think uh, it was ninety-eight. Not, not going to do it right now either. Never so, mind. There you go. I mean, I could do it of this movie, but we haven't done it for, like, the last three movies, so. So, yeah, we will be uh, wrapping things up here then. Uh, Hopefully you've enjoyed some of our releases lately. I'm saying that because I'm planning on there to be bonus episodes coming out before this one. But, uh, but, uh, so, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Looking forward, our next main timeline release is The Sword and the Stone. So, hope you enjoy that. I got something for snacks if you want to talk about that. I do want to do that. Okay, Uh, so we'll wrap this up and then we'll do it. Uh, What's after Sword and the Stone, do you know? I'm putting you on the spot here. We should have looked. I think it's Jungle Book. Oh, okay. We I'm like not Jungle sure. Book. You've got a device. That's something to look forward to. That would be really exciting. Boom, boom, boom.
When you take a paw paw. Lady in the Tramp, Sleeping Beauty, Hunter One Dalmatian, Sword in the Stone, Jungle Book, Aristocats. Heck yeah. Robin Hood after that. So next we got Sword in the Stone, which we're not really looking forward to, but after that we got the Jungle Book. Yeah, we get a nice so. sweet spot from there. Mm-hmm. Jungle Book, Aristocats, uh, Robin Hood. Despite being the Xerox era, here comes some of my favorite movies ever. the ones that we like, yeah. Right. So yeah, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, make sure you listen to the credits. You can find out how to... Uh, how to follow us, how to contact us, everything, all of that. Leave a review, all these fun podcasty things. I noticed uh, I've been checking our emails. Like, we, we are getting likes on uh, SoundCloud, mm-hmm. which is good. We got a comment, our first comment on <gasps> SoundCloud. I believe it said something along the lines of, where did you guys go? Where's the next episode? Oh, so, cool. Somebody's out there listening. I commented back saying, hey, new episode coming this week. Oh, so. good. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to get, you know, an email, uh, our email or uh you know we're on social media just get something you know where we could read it on the air we said we're gonna do that we're just like longingly staring at our phones hoping you guys text us back it could be a bad thing we would read a bad (laughs) thing too we really don't care either way we're making the podcast for us for fun we're probably not making it into a business anytime soon you're not gonna hear us selling t-shirts uh if someone offers to pay us (laughs) We would absolutely do that. Fine. I don't see that happening. I would sell out so, <laughs> so fast. Yeah, no, we're doing this for the artist integrity. Bullshit. <laughs> Five bucks to sell your crappy ass diet pills? <laughs> give me a, give me something to read. Give I want to tell y'all about Blue Apron. <laughs> yeah, everyone else. Mm-hmm. We'll just start doing ads and maybe they'll pay us. Then we'll get cease and desist letters. <laughs> <laughs> they'll trick us. We'll trick them into paying us. Our ads will be so good. Anyway, we will see y'all next time. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Dudes. Doody doody doo dudes. Whimpering dogs. Talking snack. Yeah, yeah. Talking snack. Yum, yum. Talking snack. Uh-huh. Let's talk about some snacks. Hey! Talking Snack. Welcome back to Talking Snack, everybody. My name is Jake. I'm Dustin. And we are here because we are ready to talk about things that are bad for you. Hardee's has a new biscuit called the Apocalypse. Oh, that's amazing. Apocalypse. 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 Who's licking pork? Apocalypse. It, uh, um, Speaking now, of advertising, <laughs> shouldn't be, uh, <laughs> shit. You shouldn't be fooled by this. It is the Monster Biscuit with an additional piece of cheese. Like, they have gotten rid of the Monster Biscuit, uh, or at least taken it off all their advertising, and this is basically that, plus we added a second piece of cheese. But it is delicious. I mean, that's a great addition. There are two types of cheese. There's two types of cheese. There's a yellow cheese and a white cheese on there. So having never gotten the Monster Biscuit, could you you tell me, is that a uh, sausage, bacon, and ham kind of deal? It is, with egg and cheese as well, and now two types of cheese on the apportion. There's also an Apocalypse breakfast burrito if you'd rather go that route. Uh, I might. I uh, have a Hardee's near me, but it's not exactly convenient to go get breakfast at, so yeah. I often miss out on the Hardee's breakfast experience. I think Hardee's has the best breakfast. Um, I really want to have their, more Hardee's breakfast. Their biscuits are amazing. Because I, I, I frequently do go there during during like lunchtime, and I see all the advertisements. They claim them. to be making them, you know, each day, uh, making mm-hmm. them fresh, the biscuits, uh, by hand or whatever. Uh, and I, I, I really true, but... want the uh, 
I see like they have one that's like steak and egg and cheese burrito. Mm-hmm. I'm all about that. I would love to get that. They've got like a pork chop burrito too. There's like mm-hmm. a chicken fried steak. What they got? I mean, not burrito. I mean, biscuit. Um, yeah. Have you had? Not as a breakfast thing, but have you had their new spicy chicken tenders they're doing? No, I, I heard what you said about them. But, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know that the... the uh, that they stay in, spicy. Uh, intestinal they... trauma that followed. I don't know if that was caused by the tenders or I something know. else I ate. But the tenders themselves were quite good. Yeah, I really only ever go there for breakfast. Uh, I mean, I've been like once or twice for, for real food. But... Uh... See, my breakfast, the one I've been going to get breakfast at most often lately is Burger King, which I had never been a Burger King breakfast guy, but mm-hmm. it's right next to a McDonald's, and the McDonald's is always crowded, and Burger, not, no one in my town goes to Burger King except for me. It's like the best kept secret. I do secret. find that there are a lot of people that don't like Burger King, and I don't know why that is. Like, uh-huh. I really like Burger King. I know. You get that Burger I King like smoke smell. True. <laughs> I like the Burger King version of the Baconator better than the actual Baconator. I had that once. I didn't think it was oh, better, but it was I like good. It. Oh, man. I'd rather have Wendy's fries than Burger King fries. That's, well, Wendy's fries. When Wendy's like fries them. are good, they're good. They're often cold and gummy. I find I get the coldest, gummiest fries from Wendy. Huh. Um, I'm sorry, from Wendy herself? <laughs> Wendy. Uh, one time I went to Wendy's and forgot my wallet and didn't discover it until after I ordered. Mm-hmm. And so I could have just gotten out of the line. But no, I waited all the way to get to the window to go... I don't have any money. <laughs> and then drove away real quick. Sorry, bye. And then when I got my wallet, I obviously couldn't go back to the Wendy's. That would be too, too embarrassing. embarrassing. So I ended up getting McDonald's, but I didn't even want McDonald's. I would have I gone to Wendy's. a different Wendy's. Well, that's a lot of driving for fast food. I don't remember what I was going to say. Point is, I like the, the I'm a big sandwich fan. Mm, I don't yeah. tend to go bacon, sausage, and ham. That seems excessive, but I will go bacon and sausage. They used to have the enormous omelet sandwich at the Burger King. I don't think they do anymore. Now it's like they it's something they have, and then they take it away. It's a, <coughs> right. like a limited time deal. But it did, did lead to me ordering one in the drive-thru once. Where I was like, I would, <laughs> I would like a small Diet Coke. And an enormous omelet sandwich. <laughs> yes, sir. Right out. Have it right up for you. Small Diet Coke, of course. <laughs> you go half Coca-Cola, half right. Diet Coke. Put two of the nuggets. I'm trying to watch my figure. Right, yeah. With an enormous omelet sandwich. Also, I like the Taco Bell breakfast, but the Taco Bell in my town, kind of shitty. So, I don't know. Controversial are... opinion upcoming. Hot take on the way. Donuts overrated. <laughs> you know, I'm with you. Not but. Eh. Donuts. The, the job, eh. the job I work at now. Uh, there's about every two or three weeks. There's donuts in the morning, and that's always an ex- exciting day. I don't like to eat donuts for breakfast, but I will eat donuts with breakfast. <laughs> so I have my own breakfast, and then go fuck yeah! I'll put two donuts in my mouth. <laughs> Why not? Also, I think I'm the only one who will go back for a second one unabashedly. <laughs> like people who work in an in an office, or uh, this is certainly true at the school where I work. There's usually one one person there who will like buy donuts every so often in an mm-hmm. attempt to get people to like them. I don't think it works. No, but they'll be like, you know, Happy Friday, got donuts, or it's rainy today, got donuts, or whatever, and like we'll write on you know Sharpie on there, and then everybody can eat donuts or whatever. Right. Which is nice and all, but why why are you trying to buy our affection? Like, why, why do you need to be liked that way? We're all way? miserable like, here. We don't have to be I'm friends. I'm not saying that I'm miserable necessarily, but I don't I, I don't need to be liked in that way. Like, why? Uh, I don't really care what anyone else that works there thinks about me. I don't need to be friends with, like, I'm not opposed to being friends with them, but I'm not going out of my way to say, please like me. Like, <laughs> I need attention. Well, my hot take on shitty breakfast foods. <laughs> 
hash browns. Deal with it, internet. I hate them. I know Do everyone else gets excited about all them. hash browns. Like, what about like hash disc that you get at? Uh, Those with, are okay, but like they the need some ketchup. Or the like the large. They're like one a tater tot. There. I can eat them, but I want some ketchup. Right. I don't like tater tots. But if you give me like, it. Um, yeah, me neither, really. But if you give me like Waffle House hash browns, okay, the top layer will be crunchy and great. The bottom three layers are soggy and mush. But to be no. clear, and we should make this statement, Jake does not enjoy potatoes. I know, and I'm the only person that is this way. So it it, it makes sense that once you got past the crispy fried part and mm-hmm. actually had to taste the potato mm-hmm. part, you might not be here for it. Not pleasant. That's me. Sorry, internet. <laughs> the snack part of this episode might be longer than the actual episode. <laughs> Could be. Um, uh, you ever have steak and eggs for breakfast? No, yeah, I yeah. did that once and felt like such a man. <laughs> I got it from Sound Manly from yeah. uh, Sawbucks one day. Where I was just like, "Fuck it, let's spend eighteen dollars on breakfast," and it was awesome. She's chewing your spirals. I don't know if that's a problem. Stop that! But I think that's a sign we've been talking too long. So thanks for joining us for talking snack. If you have any talking snack ideas, this is more what we'll than get damn emails about. <laughs> this will be more than happy to talk about junk food with you guys. So, uh, oh, here's a junk food thing. I've decided I'm too good for the regular sized oatmeal cream baddies now. <laughs> oatmeal cream pies. Uh, so I have to get the jumbo fat ass ones. <laughs> and they're amazing. It's my happiest decision I've made. You know, of all the things that gets cut up and put into ice cream, why isn't that An oatmeal thing? cream pie? Yeah. It would be good. I mean, it'd have to be cut up pretty small. So if you're doing yeah. milkshakes, it wouldn't clog up the straw. But I, think I wouldn't want it in a milkshake. But I think it'd be good in a uh, concrete mm. or a blast or whatever. Blizzard. Yeah. But yeah. Thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> anyway. Can we just end every episode with, but yeah. That's <laughs> it's a good ending. Bye, everyone. We're going to go get fat. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jake here reminding you all to like, rate, review, but most of all, subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, so no matter which podcast venue you like to use, we're there and we're not hard to find. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. We also want to hear from you guys. If you have any fun childhood memories or fun stories about these films, please shoot us an email and share them with us. We'll read them out on the show. Our email address is DudesWatchDisney at gmail.com, so please send us your thoughts and join in on the discussion. For reference, the next two films we're going to be covering are The Jungle Book and The Aristocats. So if you can email us your thoughts before we sit down to record again, we'll be happy to share them with the world. Or the small portion of the world that subscribes to this podcast. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, bye! Bye!